Well, welcome back to another episode of the Boombasticast with the one and only Alexander Hawk and the great Matthew Fisher. Word. Word. Uh, we are going to actually be tackling uh, a thing that we did uh, early on in our podcast that we haven't done for a while, which is uh, Five for Five, uh, which we are going to talk about a favorite TV show of ours, a favorite book of ours, a favorite uh, music soundtrack, a uh, uh, favorite uh, watching a movie in the theater experience, and also DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming, since streaming is now more common. So, ready to delve into this, my dear friend? Yes! Alright, so we are going to start with TV show. And for me... Uh, those who might or might not know, I am a big Star Trek fan. Um, and I've seen most of the TV series. I haven't seen Picard or Lower Decks. I have seen Discovery. Uh, yeah. But the one I'm going to talk about is the one I consider the best Star Trek TV series. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of known as the black sheep of the Star Trek TV series for the fact that it's on a uh, space station, and that is Deep Space Nine. And when it first came out, a lot of people had a problem with it because they're like, this is Star Trek. The whole point is to go out and uh, visit new worlds and all that. Now, later on in the series, they, they did travel out and did a little bit more of that. But most of it was about life on the space station. And because of that, they... They were actually one of the earliest TV series that really kind of broke away from, you know, uh, episodes where, you know, you you follow these characters, they go uh, visit someplace and something happened that was cool and then they moved on. Uh, In Deep Space Nine, they really delved into the characters a lot more and character arcs became a huge thing. They also were known for bringing back reoccurring characters and really building on those. And I think Deep Space Nine actually was one of the first series that really delved into the whole character arc of their characters. So the characters you saw in episode one were not the same ones at the end. And that is what, in my opinion, makes a good series, is you have to have growth. Now, there are some series out there, like Seinfeld is a perfect example, which... They emphasized that their characters never grew. And there was a point for it in Seinfeld and even in like the original Star Trek. They never really grew Captain Kirk. He didn't start growing as a character until they got to the movies. It was like, hey, let's go to this uh, planet. We have some interesting adventures. And then we move on. Uh, Deep Space Nine delved into the whole, the depths of the characters, the the gray area that people live in because people aren't good or bad. Everyone is in that middle. There are those who end up going more towards the evil side or the bad side. And there are those who goes to the more good and positive side. And then there's a lot that just live in the gray area. And um, what I loved about Deep Space Nine was it was the one with the most interesting characters. You had Garrick, who was uh, a spy for the Cardassian Order that ended up working with the Federation when he realized that the only way to save the planet he loved was work with his planet's enemies. He had Quark, the, the, the bartender that's always looking to make a buck, who always, in the end, even he, he, he gives his, his brother, his, his nephew, crap, that in the end, he loves his family, and is willing to actually sacrifice himself, you know, and and his money, which he actually values more than his life. Yeah. You know, for those he loves. Odo, the the changeling who, you know, has been looking for, you know, his people, trying to find his place in the world, and then finds out that his people are the ones who are in charge of the Dominion, who are killing countless people for some kind of weird sense of order 
which, you know, will never ever be contained in, in a, a chaotic world. And, you know, and, and everyone in there was just so dynamic and so well acted. And that I have to say, Deep Space Nine, in my humble opinion, is the best Star Trek show right out there. Deep Space Nine? Deep Space Nine, yeah. I believe, uh, I believe, uh, Michael Calvin would agree with you on that, right? He's a huge, gigantic Deep Space Nine fan when he was on the show. He was talking about it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that, uh, it's funny because nowadays when you talk to people who are Star Trek fans, more people have given, given Deep Space Nine more of a look and more appreciated now. But when yeah. it came out, because it wasn't on the Starship, Going from planet to planet, a lot of people gave it crap. I believe it. Yeah. How about you, dude? What uh, TV show uh, you really liked? So, you know, I, I don't really get to, to, you know, frequently every now and then I'll pop into, I guess, a new show. But mainly I watch older stuff. So what I'm into right now, I've been watching, I went back and I'm watching Perfect Strangers, rewatching mm-hmm. that right now. Balky Patakamas and Cousin Larry and all their exploits in the city. You know what I mean? Um, from 1989 to 1993, you know, this was a, I caught this as a youth, you know what I mean? And uh, loved it to death, of course. How can you not love Belky Patakamas? Um, okay. Cousin Larry, somebody who always wanted to give a pile of driver, peel back, the, <laughs> peel back the mats and give him a pile of driver on the pavement, you know what I mean? Um, and just, just the look of him for some reason and the character that he played, he, he tried to play, he was the straight guy, but he, he was a little we, weaselly dude, you know what I mean? And that's no disrespect to the actor because, uh, I've seen him in other things and he's not that way. It's the character, Cousin Larry character is very, you want to give him a pile driver on the concrete, you know what I mean? Balky Batakamas, he's fun, he's goofy. Um, I bet the ladies loved him when he was out and about in town. You know, Bronson Pinchett, we had a off, off-air discussion about him earlier uh, today, you know, talking about him in that long-lost John Cherry film um, about Laurel and Hardy, you know, and of course, the Langoliers, you know, oh, how, can yeah. you not, how can you brought, not bring up the Langoliers while talking about a gentleman like Bronson Pinchett, you know, true romance, of course, killing it, uh, Master, master of the craft, soon to be co-starring with Alexander Hawk on the project there. <laughs> hoping, hoping. But I do have to say that uh, I think that we should also give a little nod of the hat to Mr. Ernie Sabella. Uh, Ernie Sabella is the man, dude. You know yeah. I mean? Mr. Donald Twinkie Twinkasetti. Twinkasetti, and- legendary Dingleberry. And also, great characters, though, yeah. And also, my favorite warthog of all time. Oh, there you go. Yeah. When For I those f- who might, might not know, he was the voice of Mr. Pumba from uh, Lion King and also uh, the, the Timon and Pumba series and a lot of other things like that. I just want to give him a good shout out on that. Uh, I- Perfect Strangers was, I mean, I remember as a kid. Okay, TGIF, you know, thank God it's Friday, you had Perfect Strangers, you got Family Matters, you got Step by Step, uh, I think also The Cosby Show, yeah. a bunch of other great sitcoms where the family could, full house, you could sit down and just watch family-friendly content nonstop from, I mean, for like four or five hours, always a fun episode, and what I love was the fact that, going off what Matt said, uh, Larry Elkton, yeah, he was a bit of a weasel and all of that, but Bronson was always there to, you know, kind of wake him up and tell him that you're not supposed to act like this. You're supposed to do this. And then there were times where uh, uh, Belky himself, I mean, I remember there was one episode where, Belky fell for this girl, and Larry knew she was only using Belky to get ahead, uh, trying to, you know, use him for connections. Yeah. And Belky, you know, didn't see that. And and Larry tried to explain to him that this woman doesn't love you. She doesn't 
care for you. He's only using you. And of course, Belky, being naive, uh, thinks that Larry's just trying to be a jerk. And in the end, when Belky finds out, Larry shows that, you know, his, that he really cares about his cousin. And that's what made the series was the fact that, yes, there was a lot of episodes where Larry was a dingleberry. And there were a lot of episodes where Balky was just playing too naive that, you know, sometimes it just hurt watching it. But the fact that the two actors were able to play how much they cared for each other and showed that when one failed, the other one was able to be there to help them out. Yeah. Not with you, Holmes. Yeah. This is, this shows like comfort food almost. I remember as a kid, you know, this, I remember this rocking, you know, not back to back, but in the daytime, they'd catch them Ninja Turtles. And then there in the nighttime, they'd catch them perfect strangers. You know what I mean? It was all good in the hood. I find it how you sound like you were almost getting emotional over there talking about the, the cousin, cousinry love. Well, what, I, can, what can I say? I mean, what can I say? I am a very sensitive soul. And, and honestly, I like, Perfect Strangers was one of those series that I would always watch that, you know, helped me, you know, feel a little less alone, alone in the world. And, and I always appreciate, uh, you know, uh, that series and the two actors that, that made it, made it run. Yeah. I appreciate that, homie. I definitely can appreciate that for sure. Um, next up. Next up is a book. Ooh. Yes, yes, I know it's hard to believe, but we on the Boombastic cast do believe in reading. And we do believe in reading as much as you can. Now, the book, okay, I, I, I might shock you guys, okay, that yes, this was actually a book before a very popular franchise was created off of this one book. And that is Jurassic Park. Hey. hey! Now, Jurassic Park, written by Michael Crichton. Yep. I will never forget this book for the simple fact that I think my dad was traveling a lot. And I think he picked the book up at, like, in the airport as he was going through. And, and he gave it to me. He said, hey, I know you, lo- uh, you like dinosaurs. We were talking about it. Here's a book that you might be interested in, in, in reading it. So I sat down, and it was one of those books that I couldn't stop until it got to the end. I really got sucked into this world. Yeah. And, and when I had the book, Jurassic Park, Steven Spielberg, all, all that, that was not even a glimmer in anyone's eye, eye at the moment. I'm sure it was in behind closed doors in Hollywood. But at the moment I was reading it, there was no talk about a movie. And I remember I finished reading this book. I placed it down. I looked at my dad and said, Dad, this book would make an awesome movie. He said, yeah, it, it would. But, I mean, we'll see if anything happens. And then, like clockwork, maybe a month later, it was then dropped that Steven Spielberg was going to make it into a movie. And I was like, yes! Now, I mean, the book is, uh, there's a lot of differences from the book and the movie. First of all, uh, Jeff Goldblum, spoiler alert, he dies, okay? He oh. dies in the book, okay? John Hammond, okay, dies in the book. There's a lot of people that die in the book that, of course, in the movie, they decided to live because they had great actors and they didn't want to, you know, disappoint people too much when they get too involved with these characters. Also, another thing is if you watch the sequel movie, there's a lot of a lot of scenes that are in the sequel that is actually ripped from the first book. I mean, the uh, scene with the wealthy family on the beach, the little girl walks away, and she's attacked by tiny dinosaurs. That's like one of the first, you know, chapters in the original book. The first chapter actually is in the movie, you have the guy who gets... You know, they're, they're transporting the raptor, and the raptor grabs him and drags him in as Muldoon's trying to save him. In the book, 
that guy is attacked and mauled, but he's still alive. They actually fly him to a place to be, um, uh, try to save him. Uh, in the end, he does die, but it also it talks from the nurse's point of view that she knows something's going on over that island. Everything's hush hush. And looking at the wounds, like, well, this is obviously an animal attack, even though they're saying that this is a mechanical accident. So it's a very good book. I definitely recommend reading the book. It is different from the movie, but it 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 is it. De- I definitely recommend reading it. I definitely support that, old my dog. Yeah, Jurassic Park's funny. The, uh, the the story I have with the Jurassic Park book is I I did a book report uh, back in the day, way back pre high school, I want to say, and yeah. um, I never read the book, but I watched the movie, and uh, I remember at the end of it, I said, like looking back, I don't remember if I ever got in trouble for it, but looking back on it now, I think it was stupid. Where I remember at the last thing that I talked about happening at the end of the book was was you know the part in the movie when the fucking sign falls down yeah it says like you know whatever the fuck it says about you know you know the mo- monsters will be back or whatever what, do you remember what the line is oh wait something uh, about humanity and like the darkness of humanity or something or like the rebirth of humanity or something when the, when the whole thing starts coming down and it has yeah. that the ribbony thing come down yeah uh, whatever I, I I I described that in the in the in the uh, the report, but I don't think that was in the book. I think that was like something that just would have been in the movie. So yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think you're right. I don't know. I don't remember ever getting getting having to hear hear hell about it or whatever. But uh, I could have and just blocked it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> but sometimes you do those things. Um, so, how about you, dude? What uh, book you got on on your your reading list? I have a book called Jurassic Park. Oh, so, my God! I just uh, I just finished up the Beastie Boys book uh, uh, for the, about the hip hop group, the Beastie Boys. You know, and it's uh, it's 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 I caught it on Amazon cheap. It came out originally at like sixty bucks, fifty, sixty bucks. It was pricey. Uh, it's now like twenty five bucks or something like that, but it's a big hefty book. A lot of pictures, very easy read. You know what I mean? And the chapters are maybe two, three pages each, and there's a lot of pictures, which I appreciate. You know what I mean? It's fun. It keeps it. It's more like a magazine. It's like a big giant magazine, uh, more so than a book, which is cool. You get the stories, but then you also get a bunch of pics revolving around, you know, rear photos and all that stuff. Bunch of fun stuff like their their favorite. You know, they did mixtapes and all types of kind of personal little ditties are kind of planted in the book, which is nice. There's a comic book in there at one point. Uh, a lot of fun. I've recently been getting back, you know, into the vibe of like musical documentary books, you know, so to speak, the biographies on bands and like the kind of the rise and fall of things and why things work and didn't work in the music biz and stuff like that. Um, I've been on a little kick for that lately. Um, but yeah, I just finished this up and it was real good. It was a lot of fun. You know, I wasn't super duper hip to their whole background and what happened with the, you know, I've been a fan of Rick Rubin and what he's done for a long time. So it was cool, you know, and the Beastie Boys, of course. So it was, uh, it was fun to kind of get into that. It's always a good inside look because, you know, Rick Rubin and fucking the Beastie Boys, although they, you know, a couple of them started off. You know, a lot of people linked up because two of them, link, Rick Rubin, linked up with one of the Beastie Boys. I forget which one. I think Adam Horowitz, maybe. Um, but, uh, like, a lot of people kind of, like, Def Jam and all that kind of really happened because of that link up in a way. It was very interesting stuff. So, yeah, anybody that gets that likes, you know, the music biz or hip-hop or the Beastie Boys in general or Def Jam, you know, Rick Rubin-type vibe, um, check out that book. Rick Rubin's Good Times. Rick, him, him and the Beastie Boys aren't really quite, don't see eye to eye on certain things like uh, paying people, I, I believe. Um, I believe he's kind of, he's, he's the bad guy in that situation. But Rick Rubin's a very interesting dude because he's produced so much cool shit and he's still going and uh, iconic shit. I guess late, in later years it came out that he was more of a, 
just let his processes just let it happen type deal. So it's not exactly, you know, it's like a super, he's either just a super duper artist or he's like being lazy about his craft, you know, the thin line there. I don't really know what, what he's doing. Um, but I haven't heard anything recent, but for like gigantic amount of 20, 30 years, he was, his name was super fucking popping in the music business. He would, you know, from Jay-Z all the way back to the Beastie Boys and run DMC, you know what I mean? Uh, iconic. So yeah, very, right now I'm reading the rise and fall of Def Jam, which is Russell's, or I think it's the rise. I hope I'll, I'll probably get into the fall of Def Jam with him and Russell Simmons when they linked up and made Def Jam. And, um, I, I hope it gets into the, the fall of it. It's a very weird fall it had because I know that, uh, Rick, who I've come to find out through in, in the, in the book is like kind of came from loot. So money wasn't important to him. And, uh, from what I believe, I think he walked away from Def Jam with like just cut ties and was like, keep the money or whatever. Like he didn't even care about the, which is like, if you've got money not to worry about it, that's, that's one thing. But like anybody else just that built a company like Def Jam to just kind of stop, like step away from it is fucking ridiculous without taking money. You know what I mean? It's kind of a fucking wild deal unless you were contracted out of it and just got kind of fucked, which could happen as I go deeper into the book. I'll know, but yeah, the beastie boys book, um, very good read for anybody interested in the subject and now cheap on Amazon. So we're yeah. up. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, what we have next in our little, uh, Five for five is music soundtrack. Woo! Now I picked back uh, uh, back to the future. Very good. Now I mean, I I love the music in Back to Future so much that uh, when it, it, it the music encompasses the eighties and encompasses the fifties perfectly when he's in the two different time periods. And I mean, the songs that are made specifically for this uh, film, like Power of Love and um, you know, Back, uh, Back in Time, I, mean, I, I can't help but, you know, when it comes on to the radio or on Spotify, I can't help but just listen to it. It's so catchy and just brings you in. Very poppy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those then, big, yeah. Yeah, and, and then you got the... Uh, just the orca- the orchestra uh, orchestra itself when you, the the music when you're coming into it just it it's it kind of wells up into you like a sense of adventure a yeah. sense of like something cool is coming and i remember listening to it and 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 i just you know i just got drawn into the film and plus also you have got like mr sandman Pledging my love, Johnny, be good. I mean, come on, who did not not like sing Johnny, be good for like months after watching? You could you you could have stopped it. Pledging my love before even getting to Johnny, be good. Pledging my love is like the heaviest jam of yeah. all time. Um, when I think of pledging my love, I automatically think of Bad Lieutenant and that like crazy scene. Uh, and you know, be the 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 thing with uh, pledging my love, Johnny Ace, uh, performer. Johnny Ace went out hard. You know what I mean? Uh, his death was, he was fucking around. It was a Halloween show. He was fucking around behind, backstage with, I think it was a, so a, a female and a male. There were singers. They were just fucking, they were getting, they were partying. And one of them had a gun. Uh, and Johnny Ace put it to his head thinking that it was a prop gun or whatever, or didn't have bullets in it, and he pulled the trigger and killed himself. That's how that dude died. Like, at the peak of his fucking, at the height of his career. Like, he just, just fucking around backstage, died like that. Um, that song has his soul in it. If you listen to Pledging My Love and you're not touched or you're not, like, you're not, like, fucking emo inside emotionally grooving to that jam dude you need to see the therapist you need to <laughs> seek help you need to seek help or something because uh that's yeah that's a heavy jam dude i've always appreciated from the day one 
the first time I ever heard that song, I seeked out who did it in in that deal. It was like profound. It's a heavy jam. I'm glad oh, you, you brought it up. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's it's a great soundtrack. Every everything's a winner on it. You you now you put in that CD, you're going to be transported to now the 80s, well, the 50s, and when they were in the movie, they 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 knew exactly what chords to hit. Is that and, the power of love? Well, power of love, I yeah, and, right? yeah, power like of love. Um, yeah. You know, you also have Earth Angel. That's another one oh, that just dude, Earth Angel, Earth Angel. Angel. Dude, I love doo-wop. Little known fact about the Boombasta Cast Boys. We love the doo-wop. Love it. Um, but, hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. The great soundtrack for sure. Oh, yeah. So how about you, dude? Uh, for me, you know, my soundtrack is the Warriors soundtrack. Ah. You know what I mean? Um, gigantic fan of the Warriors film. You know what I mean? Uh, the Walter Hill film. It's fucking a, a magnificent film. If you've never seen it, they've talked about rebooting it many times. Has yet to happen. Uh, it's called The Warriors, at least. The uh, But the Warriors soundtrack is magnificent. High energy. Great shit. You know what I mean? Scored by Barry Dvorzen. Uh, really good time. You know, anybody that doesn't know the film, it's kind of a movie about a street gang. You know, mid, mid-level street gang that they go to this big meeting for uh, of all the street gangs in the whole area. And um, the leader, the, like the leader of all of them gets up there to, to tell them how it's going to be. You know what I mean? Like, and, and somebody shoots them. Spoiler alert. And one of the rival gangs points at the warriors and says, those are the people who did it. Now everybody wants their head type deal. Now they got to get back from there to their own turf. So they got to each kind of hood that they go into. They got to deal with the people that kind of run that hood, the street gang. And, you know, it's like a a fucking thrilling joyride. You know what I mean? So assume that when you talk, when you're thinking of a score, you know what I mean? And uh, there's a song in there called in the city, which is complete fucking devastation. Um, it could have been a hit on the radio that would have been big by any any of these big bands of its time. You know what I mean? That's how good it was. And uh, a lot of heart, you know. Uh, I've had this. I bought the CD way back in the day. Unfortunately, it's a CD that got lost in the travels. Um, I know that recently, I think Waxwork put out uh, a nice new edition you know, with colored vinyl and probably the black vinyl. And then uh, they gave a new artwork, which looks cool and stuff. And I contemplated getting that for a while. And I was at the local record shop and uh, I stumbled into an original dirt cheap. Uh, they didn't know what they were selling, fortunately enough for me. And uh, I snagged it up. It's a good condition. And I rocked it when I got home and I was, uh, I was a happy dude with that purchase. So that's why I put the Warriors soundtrack as my 505 soundtrack this episode. Heck yeah. All right. Next, yeah. Uh, next on the list is DVD, Blu-ray, or movie on streaming. Okay? Word up. Now, now this is, I just uh, actually signed up for Disney Plus yesterday. Yes. And to to uh, pop the cherry, so to speak, on my subscription, I watched Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Ooh. Now, our buddy Matt might, uh, he's not a big comic book guy like me, but he might appreciate this because it was directed by a, a, by a, by a man that uh, Mr. Matthew Fisher uh we can say has a shrine to at his house. Oh my! Don't talk and, about the shrine in public. Yes, talk. and and that would be Mr. Sam Raimi. And uh, I watched the movie, and the the thing is, it was enjoyable. It had a lot of good marks. Uh, the downside is the same downside I have with 
like a lot of the Marvel movies in recent years. And to be perfectly honest, it's going to be the same way as years to come. And yeah. same thing with uh, some of the TV series is the fact that they, the stories themselves are a little bit formulaic, um, that they aren't trying to push any envelopes. I understand that they want to be as open and easily accessible to everybody so uh, they could get as much money as they can back. Yeah. Uh, but by doing that, uh, there is there is a lot of uh, possibilities, uh, a lot of chances that uh, these directors, unfortunately, aren't allowed to do. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Matt would uh, appreciate it uh, because uh, uh, Sam does go back to a little bit of his possession slash zombie routes in the movie. Uh, there is a part where, uh, yes, a little bit of a spoiler alert, but if you've seen the trailer, you should know about this. Yeah. Is that um, Doc Strange has to uh, pretty much uh, jump into the body of because this the multiverse of madness means there's multiple different versions of Doctor Strange, and he has to jump into one of them that has already been deceased. So you have a deceased Doctor Strange with kind of like uh, wings created out of these like um, demons, okay, to go to fight uh, the main villain of the piece. Yeah, and. It's a lot of, of, if you're a Sam Raimi fan, I think you'll definitely appreciate it. There's a lot of nods. Of course, you get to see our boy, Mr. Bruce Campbell, as Mr. Pizza Papa. Pizza Papa. Okay, he has a cute little scene in the movie. He also has a cute scene at the very end of the credits. Um, to be perfectly honest, I was kind of, I, I was hoping that they do more with Bruce. Because there's always been rumors about giving him like a smaller, like Marvel character yeah. into the Marvel universe, so you know you can finally give you know Bruce a little bit more to do, yeah. uh, other than his fun cameos, which we all love. I understand that. I mean, Bruce definitely is looking his age. He is getting a lot older. In this picture, his his hair is pretty much all gray. Right. Um, but it's enjoyable. It's well acted. You've got, you know, of course, um, uh, Scarlet Witch. You've got, uh, you got Doc Strange. You've got Wong. You've got a lot of, also, you've got uh, a lot of uh, characters popping off for what I like to say fan service. Yeah. It's, it's fun, but it's obvious that they did not take any chances. And, they they have been touting this as the only like horror movie, uh, MCU movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it does have horror elements, but because of the audience that they're targeting, uh, Sam Raimi was not allowed to go as far as I think he should have. Yeah. So, which unfortunately is, is a shame. But other than that, it's a fun movie. Definitely recommend checking it out if you have like a few hours to go. Are you gonna buy? Are you gonna end up buying it? I don't know. I mean, it's if we didn't get a Disney Plus, I would have bought it just because I wanted to see it. Yeah. At this point, it's kind of like I'll probably pick it up, but there's no huge rush for me now. I'm sure I'll stream somewhere that I can. Uh, yeah, that I can watch it. If not, if you don't get it. Um, but I'm with so, that. Uh, so how about you, dude? What do you have for streaming DVD or Blu-ray? Well, I recently streamed... Uh, well, we're, since we're on the topic of music, I did want to bring up a couple days ago that the new Ill Bill single came out uh, for the upcoming Billy album, which was really... It was fucking smoking hot banging kid featuring Lord Goat. You know, Gore-Tex. You know, the, the brethren from... Nonfiction over there. Once upon a time in Canarsie, it was fucking good times. Anybody out there likes hip hop? 
I should check that out. But uh, as for my streaming, you know, unfortunately, I've been able to catch a lot of DVDs of Blu-ray watching. Of course, you know, we got Dead Kids of Derry. Um, I'll kind of, we, we, we watch our Stephen King, one Stephen King movie a month keeps a doctor away type stuff. Um, we got that where we just watched what Maximum Overdrive was it? Yeah, that was the last one we did. A classic banger, of course, you know, always good times. But, uh, the other night I watched the Gilbert documentary, which I've been wanting to watch for a long time and I'm a cheapo, I guess, like Gilbert. So I didn't want to pay for it. Um, but I finally found it. It was on Amazon. I think it's part of uh, like that freebie thing, which I also think uh, I think it's the same vibe with Perfect Strangers. You can watch them through Amazon on, on freebie, but you got to watch commercials with it. But, you know, freeze freebie, you know what I mean? Uh, so I checked out uh, there, Gilbert, the documentary on Gilbert Gottfried. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very inside look at Gilbert. I recommend it if you're a fan of his. He's very super. Uh, he's a uh, he's he's quite, he's a unique individual, you know. He's I don't know if it's because he he doesn't want to break character, but he doesn't really show much emotion. Like he kisses his kids, but he doesn't tell them he loves them. And I'm sure it's all hardcore, like the old school style, you know, coming up with parents that don't tell you they love you type stuff. Um, because getting told your love as a as a child, I think was uh, I was blessed to have it, but I think it's uh, I don't know I don't know what, where that stands in the old uh, zeitgeist out there of uh, relativity in in personal in relationships to the modern day kid and their their parents or whatever. But I feel like way more back in the day, with the father at least, it was more tough as nails. You know, you only got the I love you two seconds before the fucking heart meter goes out and they drop out the earth. You know what I mean? Um, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but the Gilbert deal, very fun, um, very heartfelt. A lot of cool people in there talking Saget's in there. You know, Jeff Ross is in there. Of course, all the people you would assume to be in there are in there. You know, um, Pendulette's in there and shit. Um, very good. Highlight of it, I think, is, you know, there's a part in there where he's playing, he's doing, a, his sister has cancer, and he's doing, like, a cancer benefit type vibe where people are getting up and speaking, and seeing how nervous he is behind the scenes about going up and doing his comedy uh, is kind of, it's sweet, because anybody that really taps into dark comedy shit, you understand that people really do dark comedy for people that are in really dark places that need a little bit more than a whoopee cushion to get them to laugh. Um, and to see kind of how he's worried about offending those folks and stuff and to hear about how affected he really was by some of the, you know, he was a push the envelope comic. So like it's, if, if he's told not to do something or he thinks that something's taboo, he's going to go there. He's going to break the seal on it. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's how people like that become legendary. You know, that's why Gilbert will always be loved and known. Um, and it's really kind of an inside look at that and the importance of his type of humor and the importance of even, you know, the time and place that happens in, you know, like the two, like you might say a lot of too soon type shit. It's like, well, maybe it wasn't too soon. Maybe it was, uh, maybe people needed that. Maybe people need that so they can go, okay bring them back to the reality of the situation a little bit, you know, give them the grief, the grief, you know, let them know that, you know, I think that, I think, I think, you know, a lot of his stuff was super important, not just as comedy, but it's just like society, like some of those big, some of those deals, like with the, with the tsunami, the nine 11 deal, I think that it was important for him to be able to break the crust almost and start, start the healing process, so to speak, you know what I mean? With the jokes that he made, you know what I mean? Um, very, so in that sense of it, I think people should definitely check it out. Cause I think that that, that's a side of Gilbert that you don't, he doesn't get really too open in it, but you, you get, you get a sense of his world, which I think is enough. You know what I mean? I think it's enough for you to kind of get a better vibe than you have now. You know what I mean? So that's why I thought, I should definitely throw it up in my, my streaming 
position. You'd love it. I think you'd love it, Hawkman. And like I said, it's 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 on that freebie thing. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I I, I love Gilbert, and I would love to learn more about him. I'll definitely check that out. Um, and we're coming near the end, so yeah. yeah, the last one in the five for five is the movie we saw in the theater experience. Oh okay. yeah, oh yeah. And um, for me, uh, the last one I saw in the theater is Studio Six 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 with my pal, Mister Matthew Fisher. Was that that film directed by that great dude, B.J. McDonald? Yes, yes. That B.J. McDonald that we had on the show, that we actually talked to him about his experience with the Foo Fighters and also the movie itself. And uh, overall, a nice guy. And uh, we talked a lot about the movie. I'm not going to uh, rehash too much about it because, like I said, we've already talked about it. Uh, but... It's definitely a lot of fun, uh, a lot of practical effects. When they used um, CGI, it was done well, um, and you didn't really notice it that much. And anyone uh, who likes horror comedy, I mean, definitely, I say go out, watch it. Or if you're just a fan of the Foo Fighters themselves, watch it. It is a... A lot of fun. It's a great movie. I definitely recommend going. It It was a great experience. First time going to the theater since all this craziness started. And uh, with a great pal of mine. So I definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, if you you like Tenacious D's Pick a Destiny, I'd I'd say it's a safe bet you really like this film as well. Um, Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of good gags. The scary stuff is actually pretty scary, surprisingly. I think that's part of the charm of it, too. Um, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins, of course, passed yeah. away. In between you know, the interview that we've had with BJ and now, we, we, the world lost him. Very sad stuff, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, Jeff Garland is in it. Whitney Cummings is in it. Uh, what's his name? Will Forte is in it. You know what I mean? Carpenter makes a cameo in it. I remember that. That was fun. Carrie King from Slayers in there. A lot of cool stuff. It's really a fun, you know, uh, horror. It's it's horror, rock and roll comedy. I mean, horror, rock and roll horror. What am I saying? Yeah, horror, <laughs> rock and roll comedy. I had it right the first time, I think. It matches up all three of those things. If you enjoy those three things, you'll have fun with it. Uh, and it is now out on DVD and Blu-ray, so definitely pick it up and tell BJ you loved it. You know what I mean? Heck yeah. Usually How about you, dude? BJ's, huh? What do you say? Oh, uh, I was just uh, saying. How about you? What What was uh, the uh, theater experience you got in mind? Uh, my latest theater experience is I went to go see the Toxic Avenger with the Ooh. great Billy Coyne. Went with Billy Coyne over at the Coolidge Theater, over in uh, Coolidge Corner Theater, over in Brookline, both Brookline, Massachusetts. You know what Heck I mean? Yeah, can't beat that, man. Uh, always good to go over there. Haven't been over there since the COVID outbreak, so it was nice to kind of, you know, do that um, before. You know, but we I did see Studio Six 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 with the Hawk after COVID, but this was the first time with the Coolidge. And uh, it was college, man. Lloyd Kaufman in attendance. Great Lloyd Kaufman, great dude. You know, met Lloyd many a times, worked with him a few times. Uh, always a pleasure to see him. Probably one of the most hardest working mans in the underground biz, Lloyd the Kaufman. You know what I mean? Much respect and love to Lloyd. Um, always, gr- you know, first, uh, always great to see any type of trauma film on the big screen. You know what I mean? Um, this was the first time, like I said, seeing Toxic Avenger on the big screen. Uh, I've seen it millions of times before, but it was really good to see with an audience. And up there, I believe it was in the 35 milli. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the theater that never seen it before. You know what I mean? And you got to equate that to being a city, you know, just some, some college kids looking for something to do because it's a big, big college area. Um, and, uh, it was cool, you know. It's fun, it, it, you know. The it's fun because you know the Toxic Avenger is a film that's not PC at all. 
You know what I mean? It's very impolitically correct. Um, and it's fun to see that, like, with killing the kids. And, you know, it's fun to see, like, there's still kind of a, there's still people turning up that are, that, and a new, a new people turning up that find, you know, find entertainment and humor in, in that, which is nice. But uh, very cool. Um, yeah, you know, if y'all ain't never seen the Toxic Avenger, you should, for sure. You can catch that. Uh, you can buy that on the Amazon. I know that they got Troma now is their streaming service. I think it's like dirt cheap too. Um, so uh, you can get all their shit on there. I think their new film that stars Hawkman, uh, or co-stars, I feel, and co-stars <laughs> in my heart, the Hawkman, um, hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm. I believe that's on their streaming, right? Um, I honestly don't know. I mean, I don't have the streaming uh, service yet. Um, I know that I, I, I've gone on their website a few times hoping to see DVDs uh, to buy because I want to get myself a copy, of course. Um, but I haven't seen anything or heard anything about that. Um, but I haven't checked within about a few months, so maybe they'll have something on now. They'll eventually have a Blu-ray of it or something, I assume. I know they're pushing their streaming platform pretty heavy now. And the cheapest thing to do is streaming because you you don't have to – you don't do anything. You know what I mean? You just have it there, and they, they pay into it, and that's that. Whereas in the DVD, you got to purchase – get the DVD or the Blu-ray and then sell it to them. Um, but, yeah, that Toxic Avenger classic, Troma always doing it big. Um, no Zach Amico in attendance. I was kind of hoping. I know the night before I couldn't do it, unfortunately, but I know that they had um, Shakespeare Shakespeare Stone playing, which I wanted to see. I wanted to see the Hawkman on the big screen at the Coolidge, um, but I was unable to attend. I was hoping he was going to roll through for that, and then in my double hopes, he was going to stay for Toxic Avenger. But he's a busy dude, I guess. You know how that goes, right? <laughs> uh, but Toxic Avenger was fun you know what I mean, big turnout the kids get younger, it was fun being in line and like seeing these up and coming filmmakers, I think that was kind of a cool moment, was kind of standing in line and seeing these other kids that I remember my age being that young, getting excited for trauma movies, getting excited to meet Lloyd you know what I mean uh, I thought that was kind of a really cool moment for me not to get too misty-eyed on you over there. Like, I know anything puts you over the edge, so I don't want to get you going. <laughs> I thought that was kind of a cool vibe. Um, and it was. It was a bunch of really young kids, um, probably like 18 to 20, you know what I mean, talking about, you know, they, make, they were talking about making movies, you know. I could get the vibe. It was like the, the smaller films that, with the group, the group of friends they were with. Like when I started out, and there's a lot of like beauty in that. I think that's the spirit of independent film, man. And it's it really does roll with Lloyd. You know, people have given Lloyd hard, even you know, hard times in the past for whatever reason. But I think Lloyd kind of wears everything on the sleeve, and uh, you kind of know what you're getting into when you deal with them. Um, and he is what he is, man. The, the business side of things is, 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 it's the movie business, man. It is what it is. It's always going to be there. And I do think the independent spirit rolls with Lloyd for real. You know, I can just see the magic of independent spirit in the eyes of the kids outside. And when they get in there and they meet him and shit, he's a rock star, dude. Lloyd's, uh, doing it. You know what I mean? Uh, for fantastical reasons. We're going to have to have Lloyd. On the show, I don't know why he hasn't been on. We probably haven't approached him yet, but that's probably why. <laughs> but I don't know why we haven't approached Lloyd for the show yet because I'm sure he'd do it, and we'll be doozing him with him. Um, so yeah. yeah, the Toxic Avenger. Very good to see that on the big screen. Support your independent art house cinemas. You know, we got Coolidge, we got the Brattle and Ballstone. Um, I try to get out as much as I can. I haven't been to the Brattle in a little bit, but I used to frequent the brattle quite often for throwback movies i believe coolidge i know i did for a while but brattle i've seen i've been to the brattle like three to five times i think um and then the coolidge yeah a lot, a lot more times than that sorry yeah. brattle sorry brattle folks that's no beef <laughs> uh, we would still love for you to play some of our movies that'd be nice yeah. <laughs> um so you know with that being said the toxic avenger was a lot of fun uh, check it out either on Troma Now or 
wherever DVD and Blu-rays are sold. So, Hawkman, that was good stuff, right? Heck yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was great going and hitting, you know, uh, our 5 for 5. We haven't done it for a while. And uh, it's good to talk about the different things that uh, entertain us and um, and uh, what uh, inspires us. And like I said before, it uh, it's it's always good. You always have to spread your mind. If you want to do film, uh, you can't just focus on just the film aspect. You have to focus on the music. You have to read books. You have to, you know, uh, broaden your horizon when it comes to creative output and input. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, doing this with you, dude. As I you, as always, homie. It's always good. You know, the Boombastic Cast is a part of the Boombastic Media Network. You know, check that out on social medias, and you know, get hip. We got a whole bunch of different shows that roll with us, which is great. You know, check them out. Of course, check us out if you're tuning in here for the first time. Boy, do we have so much sites to show you. You know what I mean? Um, check us out wherever you're hearing this audio. There's probably a whole bunch of other episodes. You also catch us on uh, Boombastic Media's YouTube page where we uh, release all our interviews are released in video form up there. And uh, we got Boombastic Streaming on Patreon for anybody that wants to go a little above and beyond. Above and beyond with their support system. That's always appreciated. You get a whole bunch of cool insider perks that you don't catch out in the free world. You know what I mean? So uh, get hip with it if you can. And uh, hell yeah. We'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Boombastic Cast. Peace. Peace. Peace.